0: You know, I can remember the first time I told someone I was keeping the Feast of Unleavened Bread. It was, you know, I had just started, I was sort of new to keeping God's annual holy days. And uh, I had read in my Bible, you know, these are the Feast of Jehovah. These are the Feast of God. And I thought, well, this must be important because what the Bible is telling me here is these belong, these feast days belong to God. And if they belong to God, they must be important. But I can recall the first time I told someone I was keeping the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and almost like a look of horror, uh, confusion came over their face, and then they said, you're you're keeping the Feast of, of what? The Feast of Unleavened Bread? What is that? What is that? Now, it's strange that in our society, we have drifted so far away from God's Word. I mean, really, we have drifted far, far away from God's Word, and... You know, it's it's like, okay, that's strange. When I hear the words feast, you're keeping the feast of unleavened bread, that's strange. But it's not strange that we have a society where people decorate egg trees, where rabbits lay eggs, and all of this somehow or another is connected to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, that's not strange. You know, it, it's not strange that people are decor- decorating egg trees. It's not strange that, you know— Chances are your young child believes that rabbits, you know, eggs come from rabbits. That's not strange. But it is strange when I repeat a phrase that is in the Bible, the name of one of God's holy days, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. That's strange. That falls, you know, there's this confusion. There's this look of, I don't know what you're talking about. When you tell people you're doing this. I remember another occasion I told, you know, a person that I was going to a foot washing you know that at a Passover that we we when we renewed that covenant with Jesus Christ that we made at baptism that we uh wash one another's feet and I said you've never heard of that and he said man I've heard of a lot of things I've been to a pig picking picking I've been to this and that but I've never heard of anything called a foot washing and again I mean you think okay Jesus said, if I then your Lord and master have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Now, I mean, there's hardly anything more absolute than those words. Uh, if, okay, if I've done this to you, you ought to wash. I mean, how do you get around that? How how do you, how do you weasel your way out from under that? What Jesus said, you ought to wash one another's feet. I don't know how you get around it, but our society, our religious society manages to get around it. Whatever religious people don't want to do, they come up with a theology that that justifies why they don't do what the Bible clearly says to do. I mean, that's just, that's religion in a nutshell. It is theologies built around dismissing the will of God. Is That Really in the Bible presents the teaching ministry of David Freeman. Okay, what is the meaning of the Feast of Unleavened Bread? Well, in Exodus 12 and verse 15, it says, Seven days shall you eat unleavened bread, even the first day you shall put away leaven out of your houses. For whosoever eateth unleavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel.'" So here we have one of the first major um, feast celebrations right after the New Testament Passover, the covenant that is renewed with Jesus Christ that you made at baptism. And then immediately we go into this first feast that is about, Putting away the leavening out of your lives. Now I'm going to talk more about what those, what the symbols of leaven and unleavened bread, what what the meaning of that is. But let's continue to read here because this is a, this is a seven day festival. It lasts seven days, and in Exodus 12 and verse 16 it says, "And in the first day shall be a holy convocation, and in the, in the seventh day there shall be a holy convocation." To you, no manner of work shall be done in them, save that which every man must eat, that only may be that only may be done of you. So, here we have this this feast that lasts seven days. The first day is a holy day, and the last seventh day is also a holy day, and it tells us that we are to have a holy convocation. In other words, a these days are referred to as Sabbaths or High High Sabbaths of God, the first and the last days are holy. Continue on. And you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for in this, this selfsame day have I brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore shall you observe this day in your generations by ordinance forever. In the first month on the 14th day of the month at even, you shall eat unleavened bread until the 1 and 20th day of the month at even. So we're go- we've got this period of time of seven days that we're going to be eating unleavened bread. And again, what is the symbolism of unle- of eating unleavened bread? We're going to cover that in-, in just a little bit. Exodus 12 and verse 19, seven days shall there be no leaven found in your houses. For whosoever eateth that which is leaven, even that soul shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he be a stranger or born in the land. Okay. So really what we have here is something if I if I could give you something to relate to, it would be spring cleaning. In other words, uh, people know, okay, wives, well, not just wives, but husbands also, they get together, you know, you have this home, you get busy in the spring You got your spring cleaning. You're going to clean everything inside the house. You're going to dust everything. You're going to mop the floors. You're going to clean the carpet, and then maybe the husband is outside and he's preparing for you know this spring cleaning of cleaning up the sticks and the leaves out of the yard, and you're preparing your garden to plant your garden. And you know it's it's really a a beautiful warm time, a beautiful time where there's a warmth in the air. Everything is coming back to life. And there is this, this spring cleaning that's going on. Well, the Feast of Unleavened Bread is about a spiritual spring cleaning that occurs at the new year when everything is coming back to life. It's, it's really about a, a spiritual spring cleaning. In other words, it, it, the Feast of Unleavened Bread answers the question in Romans 6 and verse 1, Paul, the Apostle Paul will say, what shall we say then? In other words, after we have been forgiven, after we have been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, here's the million-dollar question that Paul asks: What shall we say then? This is Romans 6 and verse 1. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And the answer, of course, is God forbid. Now, it's interesting that it seems in mainstream Christianity or churchianity that You know, you you have this idea that, okay, I've been forgiven by God's grace, and that's the end of the story. Well, it's not the end of the story. It's not the end of the story because, you know, you have the, the, the Passover that represents forgiveness of one's sins. But then immediately after you have this grace, the Lamb of God that covers one sin, forgiveness of all your past sins, then you immediately go into the Days of Unleavened Bread, which is about a spiritual spring cleaning, and it answers this question, okay, what shall we say that shall? Are we going to continue in sin that grace may abound? No, we're not going to do that. What we're going to do is we're going to eat of that unleavened bread that represents Christ. And we're going to put the leavening, which symbolizes sin, out of our lives. Put Christ in, put sin out. Eat of the unleavened bread, put the leavening out of your homes. Okay, in 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 6, and and what scholars actually say about this letter to the Corinth uh the Corinthian church here is that this letter was actually written during the days of unleavened bread, during the feast of unleavened bread. Now, this is notice notice the wording here. It says Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 6, your glorying is not good. Know you not that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Now, leavening here during this feast, it, it symbolizes sin. And in other words, a little sin that you willfully tolerate only leads to more sin. This is the concept of, of leavening. You know, the, the little starter that you add in the dough, you know, it, it begins to spread and fill out. And, you know, it, in other words, a little leavening will leaven the whole lump. All you got to do is just tolerate. And again, stay with me on this. Leavening symbolizes, in your Bible, sin. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. And so you got to deal with this. As Barney Fife said on Andy Griffith, nip it, nip it in the bud. If you tolerate just a little willful sin, in your life, it's only going to allow lead you to more, it's going to leaven the whole lump. You're just going to come become a big lump of that which is sinful, wrong, evil. So, notice the ver- next verse. Purge out, therefore, the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, even as ye are unleavened. This is why scholars believe that this was written during the days of unleavened bread, because he refers to them as unleavened, They obviously were keeping the feast of unleavened bread here. Okay, purge out therefore the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrifice for us. So again, here's the the symbolism, here is the, the meaning of, okay, we have forgiveness through Christ our Passover. And then we're told to purge out, you know, the old leaven. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. We're going to begin a purging process. 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 8. Therefore, let us keep the feast. Well, what feast? Well, what feast are we talking about here? We're talking about the feast of unleavened bread. Let us keep, Paul says, here's the New Testament church, let us keep the feast. An obvious reference to the feast of unleavened bread. Okay, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So let's go back to this verse in Exodus 12 and verse 15. Seven days shall you eat unleavened bread. Now, where do I get unleavened bread? Well, you can bake it yourself. You can make it. You're going to need a recipe to do that. Many of the churches of God can send you a recipe, an unleavened bread you know uh, recipe for making that flat bread. or you can buy matzos or at the grocery store that unleavened flat bread. I mean, this is something you can actually purchase at nearly any grocery store and it is unleavened. But it also says you shall put away leaven out of your houses during this seven-day festival of unleavened bread. Okay, now what does that mean? You're going to put the leavening out of your homes. Well, leavening is, uh, let let me just give you a definition of what leavening here is. Leavening is an agent that produces fermentation. Leaven agents produce gas, air, or steam that expands when heated, making the result resulting product light and altering grain textures. And so it's what makes bread fluffy. It's what makes a big biscuit, you know all fluffed out or whatever. So that's what you got to get rid of in your homes. Uh, the leavening, which would mean your bread, your cakes, your crackers, cookies, and all that stuff. You clean that out of your home. because the s- symbolism here is with the leavening, is a little leaven, leavens the whole lump. You get all of that out of your home because of what it represents during these seven days. So it is like a spring cleaning of getting that out of your homes. Not only that, but you're going to, for seven days, you're going to eat unleavened bread. Unleavened bread, yes, each day. You're going to eat a little bit of unleavened bread. Now again, the unleavened bread that you eat represents Christ. The leavening represents putting sin out you know the concept is very simple put Christ in put sin out put Christ in put sin out now this is actually you know this is something physically that you're actually doing here and I know a lot of people think well that's a lot of trouble and yes it is a lot of trouble but I tell you it keeps you on your toes it keeps you on your toes of the reality of just how easy it is to slip up and allow a little bit of sin in your life. For example, you know, I'm working during the days of Unleavened Bread and I, I do construction work. And so I have to pack my lunch, uh, pack my little, little bit of Unleavened Bread to eat on, and uh, <clears throat> I have to pack a salad or something like that because, you know, normally you're eating a sandwich so you can't do that. So during the days of Unleavened Bread, you know, I go through the drive through and I, I, all of a sudden I'm finding myself ordering a burger, you know. And all of a sudden I realized, wait a minute, I can't eat, I can't, that's the the leavening in the bread, okay, I can't eat that. So it it really, it's a challenge. Let me tell you, it is a challenge for you just in the physical sense to do this, to get the leavening out of your home and to eat unleavened bread for seven days. But it keeps you on your toes of the awareness of just how easy It is to slip up and fall short and sin. It's a very healthy practice to keep the days of unleavened bread. And it reveals, okay, this is what God is up to. God, yes, Christ died for our sins. He wants to forgive us of our sins. And yes, we have a high priest who sits at the right hand of God, ready to make intercession for us. But shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? No. God wants us to purge out the leavening out of our lives. God wants us to eat of Christ, the unleavened bread, to ingest him daily. That is the unleavened bread that represents Christ so that we can be successful at putting the leavening sin out of our lives. This is the objective. This is the goal that God is after. That it is possible for you to get the victory over sin. Now I know that okay. Everybody sins, everybody slips up. I understand that. But let's just take one sin at a time. Let's take whatever that thing that you're struggling with, the the the, the thing, the number one thing that you that really gives you a challenge whatever it may be, is it possible for you to overcome that? Is it possible for you to get the victory? And the answer is, yes, it is. With God, all things are possible. That's the message of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, that it is possible for you to be a winner when it comes to overcoming sin. Now, someone had asked me, okay, what is the difference between Easter and Passover? Because there, there, there seems to be well, there's an incorrect translation in the King James Bible, at least. Uh, other translations has have this uh, correctly rendered. But in the King James, because that is my favorite, but in the King James it will say in Acts 12 and verse 4, and when he had apprehended him, uh, he put him into the, to, to prison to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Now what's interesting is the King James translator took this word, that word Easter, if you look it up in a concordance, it means Passover. Now, why did the King James translator take this word Passover and translate it Easter? Because that's not the word. Well, you have to understand, by this time, paganism had infiltrated the churches. You know, Easter, it comes from a, you know, it's a pagan sex goddess of fertility. Uh, Istar is where the name comes from has nothing to do with, with religion whatsoever. But by this time of the King James translation, a lot of these pagan practices had infiltrated the churches. In other words, by this time, the Sabbath has had been abandoned for Sunday keeping, and the holy days that we're studying right now with the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the holy days had been abandoned for the two major holidays that we see today, Christmas and Easter. Now, that is just simply a fact of history. The early New Testament church, they did not keep Easter. They did not run around hiding eggs and and decorating egg trees, nor did they celebrate in a sunrise service the risen Savior. Now, how do I know they didn't do that? Well, you have to study the Bible. You have to look at what the Bible actually says. In 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 26, it says, For as often as you eat this bread, now this is speaking of the renewing, you know, the New Testament Lord's Supper. You know, some people refer to it as communion. But it talks about after as often as you eat this bread, and this bread is unleavened because it represents Christ, and drink this cup, which represents his blood. You do show the Lord's death till he come. This is interesting because it says you show his death, not his resurrection. You show his death till he come. The focus point of what God is after is for sinners to realize what caused Christ's death. And this is the reason we show the Lord's death till he comes. Okay, what caused Christ's death? Well, my sins, your sins. And this focus can never you can never deviate away from this. It is not God's will for people in religion to deviate away from what caused Christ's death because what caused Christ's death It is my sins, your sins, the sins of humanity. That is the focus point of the gospel. If you don't start there, you don't need to start in religion at all. You don't need to start being religious. So to deviate away from this and say, well, let's just focus on the risen Savior, I have life because of Christ, because Christ rose from the dead. You know, I'm, I'm, that's a good, It's good that Jesus rose from the dead. I am thankful that Jesus rose from the dead. I am grateful that Jesus rose from the dead. But your Bible says, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death, not his resurrection, till he comes. And so when you start playing around with the Word of God and you say, well, I'm, I'm really not that concerned. You know, after all, we focus on Christ. what caused Christ's death. We're going to have to call people sinners, and we're going to have to call them out and point out their sins, and, and that's just sort of hard to come about. Let's just forget that, and let's just focus on we all have life because Christ rose from the dead. And you see, that's sort of where we are as a nation. We, we, churches are full of unconverted Christians. Why? Well, one reason, because they're not doing this right here in 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. The focus is on what caused his death, and that is a three-letter ugly word. It's called sin, and that's what the focus is all about. Let's deal with this issue, and and let's deal with this sin issue, and that is the meaning of the days of unleavened bread. Let's, by the grace of God, by the power of God's Holy Spirit, let's deal with this issue of sin. Let's purge out the old leavening, and let's eat of that unleavened bread, which represents Jesus Christ, and by eating of him... And constantly putting him in our lives, we can, put, we can purge ourselves of the sinful leavening uh, that is in our lives. This is what the focus is, is to be about. So there's a huge difference between Easter and, and Passover. It, well, number one, it's an incorrect translating of the word. The word there, Easter, found one time in your Bible, uh, Acts 12 and verse 4, should be translated Passover because that's what they were keeping. That's what the New Testament church was keeping back then. They were not keeping a pagan day uh, that derived from the uh, sex goddess Ishtar, a god of fertility with all of the fertility symbols of eggs and lilies and rabbits and whatever you want to talk about. No, they were not keeping that. They were keeping the Passover. You know what is sad is how that our society, our religious society, have lost track of these holy days, which are really about a compass. The holy days are about a compass that keeps us aware of who and what God is, who and what God is doing through mankind, what's it all about, you know, what is real salvation, what is what is God after at least let's say what is God after once he forgives us of our sins what next and our society has rejected these the religious society of our world has rejected these holy days and you know as you read the bible I mean you read in the book of acts you read that concerning Herod it said he killed James the brother of John with the sword And then in Acts twelve and verse three it says, "And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also." And then there's this reference: "Then were the days of unleavened bread." And you have to ask, okay, why is that in there? Why is this direct reference? "Then were the days of unleavened bread." You know, it doesn't say, "Then were the days of Christmas." Or then were the days of Easter. It doesn't say that. It says, then were the days of unleavened bread. And then you have in Acts 20, verse 6, and we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread and came unto them to Troas in five days where we abode seven days. Okay, Paul is traveling after the days of unleavened bread. Here is a reference again to the holy days. You know, if these days are not important, then why was the New Testament church keeping them? You know, that's the question you got to ask. If they're not important, why was the New Testament church keeping them? Why did Jesus Christ keep these holy days? Why did the disciples and the apostles keep these days? And what, what's so sad is this. If I were to ask you to name the two major Christian holidays, you know, most people would get that right. They, they would say, well, the two major Christian holidays are Christmas and Easter and yet, you don't find them in the Bible. Yeah, you find that one, one mistranslation of the word Easter in the, in the Bible. You find it, but when you look it up in the concordance, the word means Passover. So, you know, it just reveals how far we have drifted away from the real God and, and what God's will is for his people. You know, Christians are starving and I tell you, they're starving for truth. Much of religion and mainstream has become totally meaningless. It has no purpose. It has no agenda. It has no rhyme or reason for existing. It's just, you know, a bunch of feel-good pablum that sort of lifts your spirits and makes you feel good about yourself. But there's nothing you can sink your teeth into. There's no, There's no... Uh, reality there with a lot of religion that goes on today you have to ask yourself does God have a will did God in his grace and infinite wisdom give man a set of a compass a way to stay in touch with him did God give man special days special seasons. You know, if we go all the way back to the Genesis account in Genesis 1 and verse 14, it says, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. What is interesting is the word for seasons there in that verse means an appointment. That is a fixed time or season, specifically a festival or a feast. Now, we know that God created the Sabbath on the seventh day, but could it be that God also gave mankind his holy days right from creation so that man would never lose sight of his creator? And i tell you what is even more astonishing that is totally overlooked is that the holy days are all about Jesus Christ. They actually point to Christ, what he has done, what he will do in the future. I mean, you have the Passover, the shed blood of Jesus Christ. When I see the blood, I will pass. I will pass over you the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Okay, it's all about Jesus Christ. Then you have the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is about putting Christ in, eating of that unleavened bread and putting leaven, the sin out of your life. How are we going to put sin out of our lives? We take in Christ, we put sin out. It's all about Jesus Christ. Then you have Pentecost, receiving the Spirit of Christ. Then you have uh, trumpets, the Feast of Trumpets, which is about the return of Jesus Christ. You have uh, atonement, which is all about the atoning work of Jesus Christ. You have the Feast of Tabernacles, which is about Christ tabernacling you know, with us in this physical body. It's about the soon coming government of Christ on this earth, the Feast of Tabernacles. Then you have the last great day when when, you know, which is really all about Christ's mercy, none can come to me unless the Father draw him, and that at the last great day, all those who never had a chance, who are not being called at this time, will get their first chance for salvation later on uh, during the, the resurrection back to physical flesh and blood, the valley of dry bones, you know. And God says, I will put my spirit within them. And and here you have a physical resurrection back to life. And these people say, hey, we thought our hope was lost. We thought, you know, God had given up on us. And here we are resurrected now. And God is going to do a marvelous work inside of us. So the holy days are all about Jesus Christ and uh, how we can overlook this and skip this and think that it's not important. It's like I said earlier when people don't want to do what the Bible says, they develop theologies that dismisses the will of God. For more information, check us out online at Is That Listen to the podcast. Watch the weekly program. Worship with us on our weekly Sabbath service. And be sure to visit our free bookstore. Again, the website is Is That